you have your Bible with you this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going we're gonna to be having the Lord's Supper this morning, and I'm going to be preaching on the Lord's Supper this morning. I want to go through it and kind of explain what it is and explain what it isn't. Sometimes that's just as important as what it is, is explain what it isn't, and uh, see what Paul has to say. Paul kind of lines us out in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to be starting there at verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. Well, we'll go, let's go ahead and get right into it. And I'm just going to read through some of this here. Starting in verse 20. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So they were supposed to be doing the Lord's Supper, but they weren't doing it. They weren't getting together to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. One is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. They were not getting together to have the Lord's Supper. They were getting together to kind of have a fellowship meal. And it's the worst kind of fellowship meal. There'd be some people bring food, and other people didn't have food. that Nobody was sharing. Some people were going hungry. Some people were getting drunk. It was just a, it was just bad. He said, I had nothing to praise you about that. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. And now he's going to go into verse 23. And he's explain to them what they should be doing. For I have received of the Lord that which I also I delivered unto you. Here it is. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Father, that you did die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the body he was willing to give up, Lord, for our sins. Lord, and I do thank you, Lord, for these people that come out this morning. Lord, I pray, Father, you bless them. Lord, open our eyes to the truth. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us into all truth. And Lord, I pray, Father, as we, as we glean through these verses, Lord God, help us to understand it, Lord, make it real to us, Lord God, and help us to, to grasp a hold what we need to do, Lord God. And we do thank you, Lord, as we come to this memorial and this remembrance, Lord God, we do thank you for the cross of Calvary. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. All right, so let's start back up at verse 24, and let's break this down, because we need to find out what this is and what this isn't. First off, I'm going to show you two different things. This is, uh, there's two different things. The first, the two things you need to remember about the Lord's Supper is, first off, it's a memorial. Secondly, it's a self-examination. It's a time for memorial. It's a remembrance. And it's a self a time for self-examination. And we'll get into that a little further down into these verses. Those are the two main topics you need to remember. So let's break down what the Lord's Supper is. Verse 24, when he had given thanks, he break it, talking about the bread, and said, take, eat, this is my body. Now this was unleavened bread. This was at the Lord's Supper. At the Lord's Supper, at the Passover, they were not allowed to have, have leaven in the house, so this bread will be unleavened. Basically, it won't have any yeast. It'll be a cracker. What we would call modern day, we'd say this is kind of, it was like a cracker. It wasn't raised up bread, it was like a cracker. That's what this body is. And this unleavened bread, it represents, because leaven in the Bible represents sin. 
Leaven in the Bible represents sin. This is unleavened bread. This is sinless bread. This is representing the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was sinless. He was sinless. So this bread represents the sinless body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, it's his body. Is it his literal body? No. No, it wasn't. Now, Matthew 20, whenever, in, in the Gospels, when Jesus Christ, you can go back and read these, when Jesus Christ was in, he didn't literally give out his arm and say, okay, this is my body, take, eat, and they were biting part of his arm. That, that, we obviously know that's not what happened, because this bread represents his body. Now, why is that important for me to say? Because that sounds silly for me to bring up. Because in the Catholic, Roman Catholic system, they teach that this bread, this cracker, this loaf, this Unleavened bread, they teach that this literally becomes the body of Jesus Christ when it goes in you. And they're going to teach that this grape juice is going to turn into the literal blood of Jesus Christ. And we'll get in a little bit more into that. It is not. It's obviously Jesus Christ talking about this is a symbolic of his body. This is representing his body. It's, it's supposed to remind you of something. And that's why he wants you to eat. Take that. It said, it was, says, uh, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now, not a bone of his body was broken. Not a bone was broken, but his body was broken. Very important to know, the prophecy was there was not going to be a bone broken, and there wasn't a bone broken in Jesus Christ. When they went to the cross to see if he was dead, they, they, to, to break his legs, to make him go into shock, to kill him, they did that to the two other thieves. They broke their legs to make them go into shock so they'd die before the Passover took place. They went to do that to Jesus Christ. And the, the, uh, the Roman century centurion said, he's already dead. And they took the spear and they thrust it in his side. And when he did that, that blood water came out the side showing that he was dead already. They didn't have to break his legs. Not a bone of Jesus Christ's body was broken, but his body was broken. And we need to remember that. That his body was broken. Not a bone, but the flesh was broken. What do you mean, Pastor? When you read through the Gospels, he was spit on in the face. He was spit on. He was buffeted. He was beat. He was whipped. He was scourged. He was smote. All these words were used. He had a crown of thorns like this put on his head. He had a, they had a rod, and they were beating him over the head with this rod. Uh, uh, it says there in the Bible they used the word scourged. So we read through this, and we read through this, it says he was scourged, and we just keep on reading our, mor our, our, our morning daily devotional, and then we go on to work, and we don't think about scourge is a, a short little word, but there's a lot to it. They took that whip, and they put the, they, had the, 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 they called it a cat of nine tails, and they take little pieces of bone and the little, like a nail type of pieces, and they put it at the end. So what they wanted to do is whenever they had that whip, and they, they struck him on the back, at that, that would, it would tear and rip the flesh. They wanted to rip the flesh with that. That's what scourging was. They scourged him. They scourged him and beat him and whipped him. The movie, The Passion of Christ, that Mel Gibson produced and helped direct, that movie has a real good depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the beating, the whipping, the blood everywhere. It's a bloody mess. Jesus Christ is bleeding everywhere. Why was he doing that for me and you? And he says, I want you to do this and remember that. Because, see, we read these words that they smote him, that they were striking him. They were pulling off his beard. 
They were mocking him. They were spitting on him. They were kicking him. They were taking him and scourging him and whipping him. And they were, he was a bloody mess. And Jesus Christ says, this is my body, which is broken, which is broken, which is broken for you. Not for himself. Jesus Christ didn't go to the cross for himself. He went for you. And we forget that. See, you might take a beating from one of your friends. Amen. You might, be a, you might have a really dear friend. You might have a child, a loved one, a family member. that You say, you know, I'd take a beating for them. If I see they were getting beat up by somebody, I might run in there and, get, and take the beating for them. This ain't what Jesus did. This ain't the same thing. He took this beating for you while you were an enemy. He died on the cross while we were enemies. <laughs> he did this while we were his enemy. He took this beating for you. Not for, there's nothing he's going to gain out of this. Nothing the Son of God gains from this. Nothing that God gains from this. Do you think God gained anything when he saved you? He gained nothing. We're a bunch of sorry sinners. Guys, that's the love we cannot understand. That's that love that Jesus Christ says, if you want to be like your heavenly father, love your enemy. That's a love. What kind of, what do you mean that kind of, that kind of love that's willing to die for your enemy? He died. He says it's broken for you. Broken for you, not for himself. Look at verse 25. Let's move on to the cup. And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup, was this his blood in this cup? No. This was not his blood in this cup. This blood, this blood, this grape juice represented his blood. Now I keep, I said grape juice. This wasn't wine in a sense that you think of as alcoholic wine. Remember what I said. This was the Passover. Everything had to be unfermented. Everything had to be unleavened. There's no fermentation. There's no leaven in this. There's no, this isn't wine like you think of wine going to the, go to the store. You go, I'm going to grab some wine and it has alcohol in it. This is unfermented. This is unleavened wine. This is, uh, has no alcohol in it. It's what we would call modern day, we would call it grape juice or what the Bible would call new wine. New wine. Now, I know, man, when I talk about alcohol, you get this quiet in here. And <laughs> I know. I know, I know, I know how I could, I could run half y'all off because I could preach a real good sermon on, on alcohol. <laughs> but the truth is, is I want y'all to know the truth of this. I want y'all to know the facts of this. That this wasn't wine like you'd go buy at the grocery store. This is grape juice. This is why when we use the, when we serve it, it's going to be grape juice. It's not going to be any kind of alcohol in it. It's grape juice. It had to be unfermented. It had to be the pure blood of the grape. Grape juice. And it represents the pure blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It had no sin in it. Amen. That's unfermented, unleavened. The pure blood of the grape. New wine. And he says there that this cup is the New Testament in my blood. It's starting something new. So what he's setting up and when he's investigating, he's saying, I'm starting something new with this. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Keep your hand here. We're going to come back to Corinthians. Corinthians 11, but let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read about this. This brings about something real important. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. 
This is the New Testament. This is a, the cup of the New Testament. New Testament. What was the Old Testament? The Old Testament was under Moses. It was given under Moses of the law and all the, uh, the dietary laws, all the, uh, the laws they had to follow under the Old Testament. And Peter said in Acts chapter 15, it was a yoke that our fathers and we couldn't bear. It's something that they couldn't do. The Bible says in Colossians that that Old Testament was a school teacher to bring you to Christ, to show you that you couldn't do it. What the Old Testament showed, what God did to people through the Old Testament showed that, hey, you want to be righteous? You want to trust your own righteousness? Well, this is the righteousness you have to have to be holy like me. And it shows you that you can't do it. You can't be that righteous. You can't have that holiness. And Christ says that this cup is going to be a New Testament. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, talking about Jesus Christ, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, that would be up in heaven, the temple up in heaven, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise God. For if the blood of bulls and of goats that were offered in the Old Testament sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the priest would go in and the priest would offer sacrifice for the sins of the people. And if you committed a sin, you had to go in and present a lamb or present a dove or however, depending on how rich you were, present this animal sacrifice. And this animal sacrifice, when, you, that, when that priest killed that animal, that blood was covering the sins that you did. That poor, innocent animal that didn't do anything, it had to die because you sinned in the Old Testament. And what he's talking about here, for the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying to the purifying of the flesh, that's what it was supposed to do. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, sinless, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's what it's there for. It's to cleanse you and to wash you. Verse 15, and for this cause, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. He's the one bringing it in. Jesus Christ of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that would be the Old Testament, the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. When he's sacrificing himself in the, on the cross, that blood that he's shedding is covering those sins in the Old Testament too because the blood of bulls and goats is not going to cover those sins. It's just going to make it remit. What does remit mean? When you have cancer and they tell you your, your cancer's went into remission, that doesn't mean it's completely went away. It's just kind of went away for a while, but it might come back. You don't want your sins remitted. You want them completely cleansed, forgiven. Verse 16, for where a testament is, there must, be, must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it's of no strength at all while the testator liveth. He's talking about a testament is what we would call modern day a will. A will, a testament, the last will and testament of somebody. Well, somebody can have a will and they can create a will, but as long as that person's still alive, what, are they, what do we know? They can change that will. The will can be changed. You might fall out of grace and they say, you know what, I don't like you anymore. I'm taking you out of my will. You heard people say that. 
I'm put, taking them out of my will. But man, they could be in the will and then they croak over and guess what? Too late. That will goes into effect, but it's only after the death. So when Christ is instituting this Lord's Supper, he's instituting this blood, he's instituting this body. Has his body been uh, beaten up and spit up yet? Not yet. Has he shed his blood yet? Not yet. When does the New Testament take effect? At the cross when he takes his last breath and says, It is finished. The New Testament begins right there. And the Old Testament is done away with. Because the only, so where it's, verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Now skip down to verse 25. Skip down to verse 25 of Hebrews 9. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. There we go. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. This isn't an often thing Jesus Christ has to do. He doesn't have to keep going back to the cross. He doesn't have to keep dying for your sins. He's only did it once. Verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, not of bulls and goats, he sacrificed himself, as it is pointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and a salvation. This is a one-time thing. Why am I putting focus on that? Because we're about to read a little bit more. But what you need to realize is this is a memorial, not a sacrifice. The sacrifice took place at the cross of Calvary. This is a memorial. What did he say? This do in remembrance. It's a memorial. It's not a sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, you've got to get a hold of this. This is not, we're not sacrificing Christ this morning. That was done 2,000 years ago. Once. You're reading it with me. Now go to chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, that be Jesus. He taketh away the first, that'd be the Old Testament, that he may establish the second, that'd be the Second Testament. He taketh away the Old Testament, that he may establish what? The New Testament. By the which, verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body, there's that body, of Jesus Christ once for all. One time. And every priest Standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. See, when Paul's writing the book of Hebrews, they were still trying to do sacrifices. The Old Testament priests were still, they're still trying to do, let's go in and let's do sacrifices. It's been done. It's not doing any good. That's not taking away sins. That applied to the Old Testament priests. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this morning, that applies to every Catholic priest this morning. He's standing up and he's taking that loaf and he's breaking it and he's doing a sacrament. He's doing the sacrament saying, this, you're going to get grace from this. This is a sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And this body turns into the, the body of Christ. And this blood's going to, this grape juice is going to turn into the, the blood of Jesus Christ when it enters your body. That's hokey maloli. That means nothing. That's a sacrament. And they're saying, you're going to get grace through the sacrament here. This is going to give you grace. You, all, you don't get grace from bread. You don't get grace from grape juice. You don't get grace from grape juice. You get grace from Jesus Christ. 
And it only happened once at the cross of Calvary. That's what this is talking about. Let's read it again. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. They were never going to take away the sins. But this man, that man is Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Look at verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Either you come to Jesus Christ and you get cleansed. This has nothing to do with the cleansing. This is not a sanctification. This is not a sacrament. This is not a sacrifice that we're about to do here. This is a memorial. What they'll teach you is, is this is what you grace. That's why they're so particular about it. If you're laying in a hospital and you're about to take your last breath, they'll call in a, high, a priest, a Catholic priest, and the Catholic priest comes in, he's going to do the sacrament. He's going to do this. Why? He, we're trying to give you grace before you die. If you hadn't got grace from Jesus Christ, you're not going to get it. He's either giving it to you or he's not giving it to you. And no piece of cracker or no wine that's fermented or unfermented can give it to you. And no priest can give it to you and I can't give it to you. It's only Jesus Christ. And it happened once and forever at the cross. If you're going to get this grace, if you're going to get this forgiveness of sins, you've got to go to the cross. This is a memorial. This is a remembrance. This has nothing to do with giving you grace. All right, let's grab a hold of that. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm, I, this is, man, they killed us Baptists for this. You brothers and sisters, y'all need to read your church history. The Paulicians, the Bible believers, the Monetists, the Donatists, the, the, some Protestants. We as Baptists were never Protestants. Church history. We never protested the Catholic Church because we were never part of the Catholic Church. I know they don't teach you this in, in, in grade school, in high school, because they're afraid for you to know it. You were not Protestants. You were Bible believers. You were Baptists were always separate. We were Paulicians, monetists. Give me liberty or give me death. You ever heard that statement? That was a Baptist preacher. It wasn't no Catholic priest said that. We've always been separate. And the Catholic Church taught that when you took this, there's a big fancy word called transubstitution. I can't hardly say it. And basically what they believed and what they taught is you take this and it turns into the blood of Jesus Christ. It turns into the, the, the cracker turns into the body of Jesus Christ, the literal blood, the literal body. And if you didn't believe that, you were cursed. Council of Nicaea. The Council of Nicaea. If you don't believe that, you're cursed. You're a heretic and you're cursed. And they went after us. Because we taught against that. We also taught against baby baptism. That when you, you take the little baby and you baptize that little baby, you sprinkle that little baby and you're putting them into the, into the church. You do it. We taught against that. What did we teach? We believed in believer's baptism. You believe in Jesus Christ, then you get saved. They killed us for that. You, I, I got a book this thick at home, bigger than most dictionaries, just account after account after account after account of the Catholic Church taking believers like me and you that believe what the Bible says and putting them to death. 
And them saying, repent and, re and recount what you believe. And they said, we'll not recount our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they'd burn them at the stake. They would drown them. They would, they'd flay them alive. They'd cut them in half. They did all kinds of things to kill them. Because they went against this book. Some of y'all have been around the Catholic Church system too much. That's why, I remember one time we had this, we had, I don't go to them much, but we had this Bible, we had this uh, Baptist uh, kind of fellowship meal with a bunch of pastors, and I remember going there, and there was probably about 20 of us there, and there was a young man there, he was a little older than me, but I was young too at the time, and I was sitting there, but I had more sense of this guy, and he sat there and he said, man, I don't think there's much wrong with the Catholic Church, and boy, there was an old man sitting across the table, by the time that old man got done with that young pastor out there, that young pastor's face was red as a, as a tomato. He shut his mouth up. I, and I don't have the time to tell you all the stories, but that pastor told every story he knew. He didn't even have to open up his Bible. So don't you tell me, young man, about the Catholic Church, nothing wrong with it. It's of the devil. It's sending people to hell. That's where the Antichrist is going to come from, probably the Catholic Church. The reason people accept the Catholic Church is because they don't know their Bible. Please, if you're Catholic and you're listening to me, I'm not trying to offend you. I love you in the Lord. I really do. I'm mad at the system. And I, I, I encourage you, Catholic friends, my Catholic friends, please read a Bible. And I, I, I challenge you, go find Mary in the Bible. And I want you to find the Mary in the Bible and see if that's the Mary that the Catholic Church is presenting to you. Spoiler alert, it's not. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 26. Well, let's go back to... Yeah, let's go back to verse 25. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it. So it's no set time. We don't have to do it every Sunday. I hate to break the Church of Christ. I hate to hurt the Church of Christ brethren's feelings, but we don't have to do it every Sunday. This isn't an every Sunday thing. If we did a memorial every Sunday, it wouldn't be special. That's why most, Catholic, most, excuse me, most Baptist churches, most churches, they do it quarterly. I do it when I feel like it. <laughs> Eight months, nine months, every two months. I mean, you know, so it might come up in a month or so. When I feel like, hey, it's time to do the Lord's Supper, I'll do it. But it's no set time. Just often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. Notice it's a memorial. It's not a sacrifice or a sacrament. Verse 27. Or verse 26, excuse me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So what you're doing is we're remembering Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he, his body, he, had, he, he got beat whipped for our, for our sins. Our salvation is free, grace is freely given, but it cost Jesus Christ his body, it cost him his blood. And we need to remember that. But we're also showing that he's coming back. That we're doing this till he comes back. It's a memorial, but he's coming back. All right. Verse 27 now gets into some. Here's the verses that some people get confused with, and we're going to talk about these. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Boy, that's no good. 
That'll scare you right out of not doing it. So we've got to keep reading. Let's keep reading and find out how are you unworthy to do this. How are you unworthily taking the Lord's Supper? But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So first off, you need to know is to drink this worthily, to do this worthily, you need to be examining yourself this morning. You need to take it serious. You know, when that bread hits your hand, and you're waiting for me to give you the okay to eat it, you need to be thinking, hey, Christ got beat for my sin. You know that sin you did yesterday that you just kind of blew off, didn't mean much to you? That caused Christ to get beat up. The sin, your sins put him on the cross. Not just somebody else's sins. We, we like to say the sins of the world. No, your little, li- your little lies you told last week, those put Christ on the cross. My, put, my, my sins put Christ on the cross. We need to examine ourselves. This is self-examination. And so let him eat of that bread and drink. Like, now look, look, look at verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, not examining himself, not judging himself, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Drinketh damnation, not in damnation in the sense you're going to go to hell. Not damnation in the sense you're damned to hell, but damnation in the sense of verse 30. Keep reading to verse 30. For this cause, many are weak. They lose the power of the Holy Spirit. And sickly, they lose their health among you. And many sleep. Some of them die. The Lord takes it pretty serious. And that's what was happening in Corinth. They were coming up there. They were uh, slatching it off. They were, when they did the Lord's Supper, it's like, no, nah, you're not allowed to eat in here. You, they, were just, they made up their own little thing. They weren't taking it serious. And some of them were getting sick in the church. Some of them were, were losing the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. And not trying to scare you, some of them, God just said, I'm done with you. Because they were doing it unworthily. Worthily is verse 28, let a man examine himself. Everybody in this room needs to examine themselves when they do the Lord's Supper. Say, can, can I be doing things better for the Lord? Amen, obviously. Notice verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we, would, we should not be judged so much better to judge yourself before the Lord gets a hold of you. Because he gets a hold of you, verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. He's going to spank you. He's going to spank you. If you don't judge yourself, if you don't examine yourself and say, hey, you know, there's some things I should be doing. There's some, something I'm doing. I know I shouldn't be doing it, Lord. To the best of my ability, I'm going to try to see if I can straighten that out. Now, don't make any vows that you can't keep. Amen? <laughs> Come on, guys. Lighten up a little bit. Don't make some vow. I promise to never tell a lie again, and I'll let my tongue fall out of my mouth if I ever tell a lie, you know, and then you'll be having surgery next week, you know. And they're like, What's wrong with this tongue? I don't know what ever happened to Come on, guys. I mean, be, be honest with yourself. I, I'm not trying to make this worse. It's, it, it, this is not hell, amen. We're not, we're not being damned to hell, but the Lord wants us to take it serious because it is a memorial. When we have the memorial for, the, for, the, our, for our military, praise God we got some military in here that serve this country. We take that serious, don't we? When we? If we have a memorial service and we're raising a flag and they're doing a service, we wouldn't let our kids go running around acting like banshees. Or we wouldn't, we'd say, if somebody was on their cell phone talking, we might say, hey, man, take it, t- turn your cell phone off. We're, we're trying to have a memorial to our servicemen here, right? We would take it serious. 
This is the way the Lord wants us to approach this. The Lord wants to approach this not joking around and laughing and, and, and you know, it doesn't mean anything. We need to remember what it costs the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a commandment. This is one of the few commandments you're going to find in the New Testament. A true commandment. Because he says in verse 24, This do in remembrance of me. Then he goes back in verse 25, This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Baptism is a commandment. He wants you to get baptized. It had nothing to do with salvation, but if you're going, when you, once you follow Jesus Christ, he wants you to be baptized. And this is the second ordinance. He wants you to do the Lord's Supper. That's what he wants you to do. He want, this is to help you remember this. All right. Usually if I was teaching this, I'd ask questions, but I'm not taking any questions. We're going straight into, we're going straight into prayer, and we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you love me, and you take care of me, Lord God, and you forgive me. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace, Lord. And I thank you that you're sitting on a throne of grace and not a throne of condemnation. 